The following story has been brought to you by StoriesToInspire.org. In the early years in America, in the year 1912, so there were immigrants from, from Eastern Europe. They came and they lived in, in the Lower East Side. And it was a family by the name of the Parnasses, not related to Rabbi Parnas, who, who was a Rashiva here, but a very Chashiva family. He was a Hasidic Yid, and he and his wife, and I believe they had eight children, they lived in one of these tenement buildings in Lower East Side, an apartment. And he was one of these people that I'm talking about. He got a job on Monday morning, he got fired on Friday. He got a job Monday morning, got fired on Friday. But eventually, like, you get blacklisted. Like, people know, oh, you're a Sabbath. It's clear that you're going to be Shabbos. You know, they know. All the employers started, I guess, talking to each other, and they knew exactly who to hire, who not to hire. I'm not going to train you another week and then only have you leave. So he basically ran out of, out of options for Parnassa. It's an amazing thing. You know, it's a real-life crisis. And what happened was that, like I said, it was in the middle of the winter. He wasn't paying his rent. Rent at those, in those days was $5 a month in an apartment in the Lower East Side. And he couldn't even come up with that. He tried to do odd jobs and this and that. He wasn't able to feed his family and keep a roof over his head. All because of Shabbos. So he went, the landlord rather, sent the superintendent to evict him. Like, you don't pay your rent. You haven't paid for a couple of months. You're out. There's no... Today, you could sue and go to a court and landlords and tenants and this. You don't have, that, that didn't exist. You literally, you didn't pay the rent, goodbye, you're out. So imagine for a second, Rabbi Parnas with his wife and eight children, and they're standing on a cold, snowy street in the Lower East Side of Manhattan without anywhere to go. They didn't have an in-law to go to, a parent to go to, a relative. They didn't know, they, they were immigrants. They just came. And they literally were freezing. And the, the landlord, the, the superintendent of the building, a non-Jew, and to his great credit, he said, listen, Rabbi, I'm not the owner of the building. I would let you stay. I'm under strict orders to evict you. But I can't stand to see you out in the street. You and your family, you're good people. He says, if you want, you could sleep down in the basement of the building where I sleep. It's not fancy. It's very, the boiler room is down there. And the boiler was heating coal. And so the whole apartment, the whole downstairs was all like basically one big fog of, of black coal smoke and, and dust in the, in the air. But you'll be warm and you'll have a roof over your head. That, that much I could give you. I can't give you food. I, that you have to, but I could, I could provide you shelter at least until you find another, another way of, of supporting yourself. It's an amazing chesed. Anyway, so that's what they did. They took all their pekaloch and they went down to the basement of the building. And that's where they lived. Now, a couple of days later, these Hasidic kids, they came up to play ball out in the street. But they didn't look like white children. They looked like black children because they were all covered in black. They were fully black. And they were speaking Yiddish to each other. That was their language. So they're playing ball. They looked like black children playing ball, speaking Yiddish. And there was like a very aristocratic Jewish man, not religious. But you could see he wore like the American attire, very, you know, spitz. And he passed by and he notices a strange sight. And he says, like, just to nobody in particular, just to himself, he says, only in New York can you have black kids that speak Yiddish. So one of the kids opened his mouth and says, Mr. says, we're not black. We're regular Jewish kids. That's why we're speaking Yiddish. He says, but you're black. He says, no, 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 we're not. So why are you black? 
So he explains, our father, Shem Shabbos, and they didn't, they evicted us, they put us down in the basement, five dollars we couldn't come up with, and, and this, this Yid had a good heart, and he says, do me a favor, ask your father to come up, I want to talk to him. It's an amazing story, this is like the most amazing story of all time. Never forget this story, and repeat it to anyone that you see. So he says, so Rabbi Parnas comes up, and I guess he also looked black, and he says, Shalom Aleichem, he says, uh, what's your name? He says, Mr. Biston. Mr. Biston, what can I do for you? He says, well, I spoke to your children. They told me this terrible story, how, you know, you're a Meister Nefesh for Shabbos. You gave up for Shabbos, and you don't have, you know, a normal house to stay in. He says, I want you to, I want to pay for your, for, to buy you an apartment. I'm going to give you $500. Now, $500, then you could buy an apartment building with. $500 was like, few million dollars today. It's a, it was an astronomical amount of money. I told you, five dollars, you were able to live in a, an apartment for a month, so you can imagine what five hundred dollars did. And, and he said, I want to give this to you, and I don't want you to suffer anymore. I want you and your family to live decently and get yourself a job, and now at least you'll have a roof over your head. So he says, I appreciate the offer, says Rabbi Parnas to Mr. Biston. He says, but tell me something. This five hundred dollars that you so generously are giving, are, are offering to give me, and I appreciate it. Was it earned with Chil Shabbos? Were you Michal Shabbos to earn this money, yes or no? He says, yes, I was. So he says, let me speak to my wife first. He had the kids call up their mother, and they huddle. So listen, he offers $500, you know, but you know, the reason why we're in this situation in the first place is because we want to keep Shabbos properly. We don't want to get any Hana on Shabbos. And by taking this money, we're, we're undoing everything that we're, that, you know, what are we doing? How can we do this? She said, 100%. To her great credit. Imagine the mysterious average that she had to have. And so they look at Mr. Bisson, thank you very, very much. We're going to decline your offer because, you know, we can't take money that was produced on Shabbos. So he gets furious and he's like, there's smoke coming out of his ears. And he, he in a huff and a puff, he leaves them, crazy greenhorns, they came to this country and they don't give, they don't, and he goes storming into his apartment, he sees, and his wife sees that he's all upset, and she says, what's wrong? So he says, these, these, these immigrants, rabbi and family, I so generously gave him, offered to give him $500, they're living in a basement, in a suit-filled basement of a tenement building, and I offered, he could, they could buy their own building if they want, and they turned me down. Well, why'd they turn you down? Listen to this one, because I got the money with Chil Shabbos. She said they're 100% right. She said, remember a couple of years ago, we came over to these shores, and we were Shemr Shabbos, and then we decided that it was impossible. We couldn't go on the Mizbeach of, of, of Shemir Shabbos. We weren't able to be Meiser Nefesh. And we said that someday we're going to come back, but right now we have to temporarily do what we need to do. And therefore we started, you know, being Michal Shabbos. You opened up your business. It was successful. and. They're sticking to their guns, and we never did. So shame on you. They're a thousand percent right. She said, so what should I do? She said, go back to him and tell him that you're going to be Shemr Shabbos from now on and beg him to take the $500. <laughs> so Mr. Biston makes a U-turn, and he goes back to the, to the Parnasses, and he says, Rabbi Parnas, my wife and I understand what you're saying, and we accept and we want to, from now on, we're going to be Shemr Shabbos, and please take the money. Please take the money. He says, no. The money was still earned on Shabbos. 
He says, you go back, you work now with Shmir Shabbos, you earn another $500, and then I'll take it back, then I'll take it. But this old $500, I'm not touching that money. That money, you know, give it to someone else, I'm not taking that money. Because you go earn another $500, and that's what he did. He went back, he earned another $500, he gave it to Parnas. Parnas bought a building in Borough Park. He opened up the first Hasidish Shtibol in Borough Park, and the first Chassid in the Shtibol, Mr. Biston. And the families, both of them, grew together, and there's, you know, many, many Enoch that are all Shemir Terah Mitzvahs, and Meiser Nefesh, and, and building beautiful Teradika homes, but with tremendous Mesiris Nefesh. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to Inspire.org.